We are finishing up our sermon series called Game Ready, and today's topic is Foundations. What is your life really built on? Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church. This is Pastor Jason. I hope that you are having a great day. We are getting into the last part of our sermon series today called Game Ready, How to Spend Your Time on What Matters Most. And it's all about getting ready for the fall, which is literally around the corner. We're just about ready to go into Labor Day weekend. And I know that all of the plans that start to happen as your calendar fills up, how do we make sure that we are listening to God and following what he wants for us during this really busy season of our lives. That's the goal of this sermon series. And again, I've said this before, I feel like this sermon series is for me (laughs) as much, much as it's for anybody else. It is so easy to get overextended and then you're just reacting to your calendar instead of living your life. And so how do we do that? How do we be more intentional, more Uh, open to listening for what God has for us and for our family. So I hope that this series has been helping you. And of course, if you missed any of it, you can catch it uh, on the last two episodes of our podcast, or you could always go to towerhillchurch.org to get some more information. Well, as we get ready to close the summer, we are excited that this Friday we're going to get to volunteer at the local fireman's fair and can't wait to volunteer and make a difference for our local firemen raising money for their efforts in the community. And we're also looking forward to Tower Hill Sunday, which is happening September 10th. If you are in the area or if you are new to the church or if you haven't been this summer because you've been just kind of taking the summer off, we want to welcome you back September 10th. We have a traditional service at 9 a.m. and our modern service or contemporary service at 1030 both in our main sanctuary, Sunday school at both hours. And also, we're going to have a lot of fun extras. We have some inflatables for the kids, continuous French toast breakfast. I mean, come on. You come just just for the breakfast, man. Um, And we're going to be starting a new sermon series that is based on Tim Keller's small group curriculum called Gospel in Life. It's going to be eight original sermons, and it's going to go along with Keller study. So if you're in a small group or you're hoping to get into a small group, we want to encourage you to use that curriculum as you uh, go into your small group meetings this fall. Well, hey, listen, I hope that you feel God's presence in your life today. And without further ado, here we go with part three of Game Ready. We are in our final installment of our series, Game Ready. How to spend your time on what matters most. We've been having some fun with this, saying that getting ready for the fall is like NFL training camp. It's getting ready so that we are prepared when the game comes. Because if your fall is anything like mine every year, it is jam-packed. And it just seems to happen all at once. And the schedule flies. Everybody decides they're going to make their schedule at the same time. And it all hits you. It feels like the same couple of days. And then you're just left just kind of bewildered and... And you end up living according to your calendar instead of maybe spending the time on what God wants for you during this busy season. And that's really the goal. The goal of this is to help you think about not just, 
not just not being busy. I, I think for a lot of us, that's not going to happen. We're going to be busy. But how, even in the midst of the busyness, can we find rest for our souls? This is what Jesus promises, even in the busy times. So how can we think about what God wants for us during this season of our life, rather than just react to all the activities that we have going on? And I think that you can do that. I think we can do that. And that's my hope. If you missed any of these, if this is your first day and you're like, dang, I'm on the last Sunday of the series, that's okay. You can go to TowerHillChurch.org. You can listen to the previous two. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It's Tower Hill Church Podcast, and you can get caught up. Um, One of the ways that we can start resting is to just recognize that our rest isn't found in necessarily just taking time off. Taking time off can be restful, but honestly, I mean, when you have little kids at least, when you go on vacation, it's not really a vacation. It's a trip. But you don't come back feeling like, oh, yeah, I am so rested. <laughs> Man, ugh, oh, that was right. I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. But really, when I look at what gives me rest in my life, I mean, rest, of course, is like sleep. Of course, I can sleep on vacation or whatever, take a nap. But true rest for my soul is something else. That seems to happen to me when I am doing God's work the most. For example, I would say that my biggest moment of rest every summer is when I go on these mission trips with teenagers. They are not restful in the conventional sense. They're very busy. They're crazy. You're, you're sleeping on an air mattress on the classroom floor of a high school. You're up early and you're in bed late. But to me, it's, it's those moments where I get my rest because I'm really engaged all in every minute with Jesus, and I find my rest that way. Jesus is our rest. And what if Jesus can be your rest even in the midst of our busy schedules? Well, one thing that we have to do is we have to create some spiritual margin. We have to create margin. This was what we were talking about Moses, that Moses had a very important job. It said that from morning till evening, the Israelites were coming to him with their issues and saying, what does God have to say about this? Morning till evening. That's all he did all day. That was very important work. But in the midst of his busyness, he was missing what God wanted most. So father-in-law Jethro comes along and says, dude, you're not, you're not doing this right. I think he said dude. He would have said dude. If that were a thing, I think Jethro would have said dude. This strikes me as a dude guy. No, he said, you're getting it wrong. You're spending all of your time on this. You've not created any margin for you to meet with God. And then right after he heeds his advice, the very next thing, Moses goes to Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments. If Moses never had margin in his life, he may never have gone to Mount Sinai in the first place. And I feel like that. I feel like God has a mountaintop moment for us in our lives that we don't want to miss. The other thing is we need to take being a disciple seriously. We talked last week about how discipleship was different in Jesus' day than we might think of it now. We think of it like head knowledge, but it was an all-in experience, like the karate kid 
Daniel-san's trying to be Mr. Miyagi. He's trying. He, he starts adopting his customs. He sees Mr. Miyagi doing the crane kick, and he wants to be just like him. In a similar way, Scripture even says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. We are supposed to be doing what our rabbi does. Why? Because a disciple wants to become what the rabbi is. That's discipleship. That's following in the way of Jesus. We want to learn to be like our rabbi. We say, well, how do we do that? We go into training. Any good thing in your life worth pursuing has been done intentionally. Right? I mean, think about it. Every good thing in your life. You don't accidentally have a good relationship with somebody. You don't accidentally have a healthy marriage. You don't accidentally work your way up in your company. You don't accidentally grow closer to God. It just doesn't happen. It takes intention. Just like everything in your life that is worth pursuing, so does pursuing rest in the Lord. It takes intention. So we said it's like an NFL training camp. It takes intention. You got to get ready before the game is on. So now's the time as we're getting ready for the fall that we have everything in place so that we are set up to win. And I think it starts with just asking the question, what does God want for me? Not what does he want from me. What does God want for me this fall? Even if you're fall, even if you're just past the stage where it's any busier and you're kind of not tracking with that idea, you understand the concept. I bet you, no matter where you are on your agent stage, that God has something he wants for you in this next season of your life. I always say, what does every coach, what do they want the most out of their players? You've probably heard this before. Your best ability is availability. In other words, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not in the game, it does not matter. You've got to be willing to be coached. You've got to be willing to participate. You've got to be willing to go all in with what you say you believe. So, this is how Jesus puts it. In Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. Let's just meditate on this verse for a second. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I feel like I could just post this on every visible surface that I pass during my day. You know, like my desk, my door, my car, you know, and it would set me straight. Like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? You believe I'm the Son of God? (laughs) Why aren't you doing what I'm saying? And this was after, uh, this part in Luke happens, it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So he just got finished telling them everything. He, like, covered everything. He taught on everything, on prayer, on being salt of the earth, the light of the world. He taught about adultery. He taught about... Every, everything. And at the end, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. I find that interesting, and actually it really rings true to me. We don't worry so much about foundations when the weather's good. Like things are going good in life, eh, I'll come back to God one day. Let me just do my thing. But when things get rough, it doesn't take long to find out what kind of foundation your life's built on. Because if you don't have a foundation of God, things collapse and they collapse hard. It's all about foundations. What is your life built on? Or if you want to go back with, to you know, the idea of football, you know. What is your technique built on? What is your play built on? You got to have a good foundation. You hear coaches all the time talk about fundamentals. Got to make sure that you get low, getting your pads low. You're doing all the right technique. Why? Because with bad fundamentals, you're not going to be able to play. You're not going to succeed. You got to have the right foundation. I remember uh, high school championship football game. We were undefeated going into our big rival game at the end of the year. It was a big to-do in our town in Pennsylvania that that's sort of all that was going on was football, you know, so it was a big deal. And uh, the coach decided for that game that they were going to put me as tight end so that we could just run heavy on that side and nobody, you know, just be a freight train. And um, unfortunately, I never got to run out on a pass pattern. I was really upset. As an offensive lineman, you know that if you ever get a chance to run a route, like life is good. You'll never forget. I didn't get that chance. But as I was preparing to play the tight end position instead of tackle, the coach wanted to make sure that I was ready because they had a very good defense that was fast on the outside. So I had to be ready to block them. So the coach took me for about four hours on a Saturday and had me go through this same drill of getting my footwork right to block a much faster player. Four hours. So I made the mistake after about hour one of saying, I think I got it. Should we do like another drill? Don't say that. Don't, don't say that to the coach. He was um, colorful in his response. But he was basically saying, you're going to stop doing this when you got it. Okay. Okay, I'll be quiet now. The point is, is that if my foundation's no good, if my fundamentals are not good, I'm never going to execute the play. This is the same with life. If your foundation's no good, you're going to struggle. So how do you know? Maybe you're asking, well, how do I know what my life is built on? I think I know what it's built on. I'll tell you an easy way to find out. You know what your life is built on by what you do, not by what you think. When I was growing up, oftentimes, most, mostly with football team players, we'd be hanging out or doing something, and my friends would do something that, let's just say, was out of bounds, I'm going to stick with the metaphor here. The ref would blow the whistle on 
on these things. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to actively participate in whatever it is that they're doing, but I'm, I'm with them. They're my friends. I don't want it to be weird. They're like, why are you not joining in? So I was with them. Oh, oh yeah, but I'm not, I'm not doing that bad thing they're doing. I'm just doing it with them. <laughs> and I used to think to myself, I used to think, this isn't me. I, I'm better than this. I'm not like these guys. I'm a better person. I'm not a bad person, right? Because right? we're all the hero of our own story. And we like to make up a nice narrative. I'm not really like this. Yeah, I was. I totally was. I was there because it's based on what I do, not by what I think. I think I'm a pretty good Christian, but sometimes my actions let me down. You find out real quick if you're a very loving person or if you're a very patient person. I think I'm really patient, so I start driving. That's like pastor roid rage. Road rage, roid rage, either way. Going with the theme. No, I'm not that bad. But you are. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. Right? I mean, you get behind the wheel in New Jersey, and it's like, I don't know, you get really good at sign language all of a sudden. Anyway. Or you might think, you know, I am, I'm a really generous person. And then I go to the restaurant, and the waiter or waitress comes and does something I don't like, and I start playing the lose the tip game. You know what I'm talking about. Lose the tip game. I remember one time we were at a macaroni grill, you know, where you could, like, write on the tablecloth. And the service was so bad. We started just writing, you know, minus whatever, like losing the tip. That's not generous. I don't know what's going on in that person's life. I don't know if they just got berated by 15 customers in a row and they're just defeated by the time they get through. I don't know if they got some issue going on in their life. Maybe nothing. Maybe they were a horrible waiter. But whatever it is, I don't know. What does it mean to be generous? It means to be generous with somebody else's behavior as well. Or I look at my actions and I say, oh yeah, I'm a pretty loving guy. I'm I don't know. I'm loving when I want to be. You know what your life is built on by what you do, not by what you think. Hearing Jesus' words, in other words, is step one. It does no good if you don't put it into action. If you know the playbook, you still have to execute it. Otherwise, it's worthless. It doesn't matter knowing. You know, here's where this kind of boils down for me. Is that I could go to seminary. I could learn the original languages of the Bible, the Hebrew, the Greek. I could learn the Latin translation. I could learn the Greek translation of the original Hebrew. I could learn Aramaic because Jesus spoke Aramaic. I could take all the theology classes. I could become an expert in everything Bible. And I can absolutely miss it by never playing the game. Jesus didn't come to give you knowledge. He came to transform your life. And incidentally, this message is meant not to be a downer. Although it might feel like I could say, yeah, that's me. You know, I'm doing that too. Eh, That hurt, you know. 
The whole idea is to spur us on to do better. Why? Because for some reason that I will never understand on this side of heaven, God is relying on us to be the body of Jesus Christ to the world. To a world that desperately needs hope and love and faith, he has chosen us to be the deliverers of that message with how we live our lives. There is a lot riding on this. The stakes of the game could not possibly be higher. And he wants you to play. As we talk a little bit about how we'd start doing this and make sure that we're ready to play the game. Because this is it. This is game day. September is right around the corner. How do we set ourselves up to win? I want to talk about this first by framing it around an ancient spiritual practice of the ancient Israelites. All the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is known as the Shema. This passage is what young Jewish children would learn and they would start saying every day by heart. This is the passage that Jesus quoted when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus was quoting something called the Shema. The Shema got its name because that Hebrew word for here, you see on the scripture, here here is Shema. So it became known as the Shema. Here, O Israel. So let's read this because I think this frames up nicely how we are to move forward in our faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So that's the first part. Love God with everything that you are. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Why do you say that? Why on the heart? Because if it's just in the head, you might not ever do it. If it's on the heart, it may inform your behavior to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Again, it's taking that knowledge of God and giving it to your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, take the commandments of God, take your understanding of God, and live it in every single way in your life. That was the message of the Shema. It wasn't just know, the, know God, but live it in your heart. Teach your children. Make every part of your day an act of living out God's Word. I think it's really cool. I just want to show you a couple of things in case you weren't familiar, because it's, it's a really neat concept that a lot of Christians don't know about, and that is, how, how did the Jewish people start applying this, the Shema? One of the practices is to create a, what's known as tefillin. Tefillin are, uh, they were taking seriously the part where it says to bind these to your forehead and to your hands. And so what they do, what a lot of uh, Jewish people do even today, is they take these tefillin. The idea is sort of like their prayer accoutrement, their prayer helpers. And so they take these little boxes and they put 
little scriptures in them, like little uh, rolled up, you know, kind of like scriptures, like parchment. And they tie one to their forehead so that the box is in the middle. They tie one to their arm. And then they wrap the leather part around their arm and around their hands seven times. And then they weave it through their fingers in a symbolic way. And they pray the Shema to remember, to live God's word physically, not just think about it. I think that's really cool. The other thing they have, they have the prayer shawls with the tzitzit. That's what those fringes are called, the tzitzit. And the idea was every time you felt the fringe, it was to remind you to live God's word, the Shema, in your life. One of the really cool ideas, you know, so they took a very literal understanding of what does it mean to take God's word and apply it to your life. Um, bind them to your foreheads. There's something really cool that I was looking at this article online and um, it was showing something about the brain that I find really cool. So that front part of the brain, right where your forehead is, is the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of the brain that decides behavior, morality, taking your thoughts and putting them into actions. I find it really cool that if you bind God's word on your forehead, it affects your behavior. The whole point of the Shema. It's almost like God's behind that. Amazing. So how do we do that? How do we start to live that? When when game time comes, how do we start to play? You've been prepared. You're all set. Now, what happens on game day? Well, the first thing is you got to warm up. And maybe you want to call it, you want to pray up. What do you do every day when you're in this busy season of your life? Warm up to God. Put God's commandments on your heart. What does that mean? I think it means being aware of God's presence, inviting him in, and saying, I want to live your word today. I want to live that way today. And that is something that you can do so fast in your life. Technology has made this as easy as it could possibly be. It would only be easier if Jesus physically came into your front door and said, hi, I have a daily devotion for you. Let me tell you something about scripture. Let's pray. That's the only way it would be easier. It is so, if you have a smartphone, I'm sorry, there's no excuse for not getting content. There is a free app, for example, called the YouVersion Bible app. That's it right there. The YouVersion Bible app. They have daily, weekly, monthly reading plans, devotionals, videos. They have an online community where you can get connected. They just have a daily verse that can just pop up in your feed. There, it will do everything. All it takes is something. And it's okay if you're like, look, pastor, I'm going to do the real thing. I have an actual Bible. Awesome. Go analog. Get a Bible. Get a cup of coffee. Whatever's going to be. Take a verse. Read it. Even if, even if all you did was you took home your bulletin and you took the scripture that we did that week and you read one verse every day. That's it. One verse. That would be something to warm your heart up to God. So that when God speaks to you, when the coach calls the play and tells you what to do, that you're ready. That you're available to get in the game. 
The next is to gear up. Right? In the game, you get your pads on. You get yourself ready. You prepare. You're intentional about your preparation. You're ready to go. Impress them on your children. Bind them to your forehead. How do you get your mind ready for that day, for that season, for that game, so that you are prepared? What does that look like for you? For me, it looks like getting my calendar or getting my day planner. So a lot of you have day planners. Getting my planner, and the first thing that I do in that planner is I schedule my time with God. If it gets scheduled, it gets done. If it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't have a chance. That goes in first. And there are some days where my life just totally gets messed up and it doesn't happen. It'll happen more if I schedule it. They even make planners that have verses on them that kind of incorporate your, little, your, your devotion, you know, whatever it is, in that day. You could get that too. And a lot of those are free online that you could download. For some of you, it might be that. For others, it might be, well, how can I make sure that my mind is prepared for the game? The other thing that I know people do is they set a prayer alarm on their phone. So that every so often during the day, their alarm goes off with a certain ringtone. And it reminds them to pray. And they're, okay, yeah. And then they pray real quick and then they go on with their day. I know other people who have printed out pictures of people that they're praying for. Not in a creepy way. Like, it's not like, can I pray for you? It's not that. It's like, you know, if praying for family or friends and they have pictures of them, they'll print them out and put them over the light switches in their home. And every time they turn the light switch on, they see the picture and they remember to pray for that person. The point is, how do we bind this to our forehead? How do we make sure that our mind is thinking about intentionally what God wants, what God wants us to do, how we are to follow him. But it's not just our private disciplines that get us there. We have to recognize that it takes a team. Teamwork makes the dream work. You play the game with a team, not as an individual. Here's the thing. You need some Christian friends in your life that you are doing life with. Doesn't have to be a lot. In fact, if your friends are only Christians, you're probably doing something wrong, right? I mean, we're not in like a little holy huddle. We want to make sure that we're actually being used out there. But, but you need some. You need some in your life who are going to be able to help you because you are going to mess up and you are going to fall down and you aren't going to remember what your assignment was on that play. And you need your teammate to come pick you up to encourage you, to help you. To help move you forward so you don't give up. Because we are so quick to give up on God's stuff. Now we are so quick. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> Done with that. I tried reading the Bible once. For seven minutes. Didn't work. You need a team. You need people to help to get plugged in. There's so many ways you can get plugged in just here at this church. Here are a few. Maybe you want to take a screenshot of that. There are so many ways that you can start living your faith in action together. Get plugged into a men's group. You know, we are going to do that Tim Keller study. Um, uh, the sermons are all my sermons, that, so they're not Tim's. But what we're going to do is we're going to encourage all the different groups that meet 
to use Gospel in Life as their, uh, as their curriculum. It comes with a DVD. And so if you have a group, if you lead a group, you want to use it, call the church. We'll find a way to get the DVD and the resources to you. But the idea is just get involved. Pick a something. Get plugged into a group of some kind. A study, if you can. Or a women's circle. Or you could sign up for a mission opportunity. We have all these mission opportunities that are one-offs. It's not a forever thing. You just do it once. Get involved. You start meeting people. Start doing life with some other Christians. You could serve here at Tower Hill. We got tons of volunteer needs. Trust me. Tons. We got a lot going on. And then make sure that you're leaving room to invite others to join the team. But there are people in your life that you know are hurting. Maybe God wants to use you to reach out to them. Now here's the thing we have to remember. The game is meant to be enjoyed. Have fun. Play loose. Play free. You're going to mess up. Not everything's going to go your way. Don't give up. Have fun. If your Christian life is no fun, you're missing the Christian life. Seriously, if every time you think about Jesus, you have to be like, you're missing it. What do you think Jesus would say? He'd be like, whoa, 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 wake up, wake up. Come on, let's go. Have fun. Live your life. God wants you to have joy, to be fulfilled. He wants you to experience living in hope and love and faith. And remember, it's all a waste of time unless you're willing to play. Be available to God. And I'll tell you what, at the end of this busy season of your life, I think you'll discover that you have heard God's voice in your life. That you maybe even experienced rest in the middle of the busyness. And more importantly, that you didn't miss out on what matters most. <laughs>